Welcome to FYI, the four-year innovation podcast. This show offers an intellectual discussion on technologically enabled disruption, because investing in innovation starts with understanding it. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. Arc Invest is a registered investment advisor focused on investing in disruptive innovation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by Arc. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by Arc or podcast guests and are not endorsements or recommendations by Arc to buy, sell, or hold any security. Clients of Arc Investment Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to FYI, Arc's weekly podcast on innovation and technology investing. To start off 2020, we have a special episode with Arc Invest CEO and CIO Kathy Wood. Every year, we do a special presentation called Big Ideas, where we highlight some of the important trends and the key takeaways from our research. And we've just finished the Big Ideas deck for 2020. And Kathy is going to talk through some of those highlights. Kathy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, James. Very happy to be here. So Big Ideas, we've been doing since 2017. I have all four years versions in front of me. We had seven technology themes for the first edition in 2017. It was 65 pages long. And now we've grown to 11 Big Ideas and, and 80 pages. I'm glad the pages count has not exploded, actually, yeah, yeah. because that, uh, that keeps us focused. Yes, yes. So we have 11 technologies and themes that we're highlighting this year. Give us a quick rundown of what they are and what's new in the 2020 edition. Well, some of them we're building upon what we've done in each of the other years. So deep learning, electric vehicles, automation, 3D printing, autonomous ride hailing, biotech, I mean, next generation DNA sequencing, digital wallets, and Bitcoin. The three new ones this year are streaming media and aerial drones and biotech R&D efficiency. And they are big ideas. So I'd be happy to talk about any of them. Let's talk about streaming media. This is something that I guess to those following the internet doesn't seem new, at least on the surface level. Netflix and Spotify are, are pretty well covered. What is exciting in this area that has made it kind of important enough that we've pulled it out and showcased it in this year's deck? Well, I think the combination of technology and changing behavior patterns, they're going to change or they're going to really catapult this industry, whether it's video, audio, or gaming, into the streaming world. And uh, right now, streaming revenue is roughly an 85 to $90 billion market. We think it could grow to nearly $400 billion in the next five years, which means that's a compound annual rate of growth of roughly 35% per year. So there are a lot, of, a lot of opportunities, a lot of companies now starting to focus on this space. And what I find interesting is it's another example of exponential growth brewing. And the reason I like to highlight that is we've been in a linear growth world for so long. The internet gave us a glimpse of exponential growth. Amazon, when we first bought it at my last firm, was a $5 billion cap. Now it's a trillion or so. 
And at the time, most people could not understand why we were buying a company that was never going to earn any profits. And all we had to do is say, if you believe, as we do, that Amazon's revenue is going to compound at an annual growth rate of 25% per year for the next 20 years, you put that in a dividend discount model, this is a deep value opportunity. And that's because exponential growth was not recognized, not understood. Now we understand it, and we're going to see it spreading to many, many other sectors. Exponential growth is effectively where you can hold a percentage growth rate constant year over year. And even the growth rate is constant, the sum total is, is increasing at exponential rate. Yeah, most people think in terms of, of large numbers, of course the growth rate is going to slow down. Of course it is. I think that's the key point, which is what makes certain kinds of exponential growth sustainable and other kinds not sustainable. I guess over a sufficiently long time horizon, nothing can grow exponentially, at least if you're limited to Earth. It seems to me that the companies that can sustain exponential growth, whether it's at 15% or 25% over 10, 15 years, are constantly in the motion of expanding into new markets. They're enlarging their TAM. Right. Exponential growth typically happens in like uh, bacteria or cells. Right. Mm -hmm. They do it in the beginning. Then a baby is not growing exponentially anymore. Baby is growing linearly. But if you can gather more resources, basically expand your TAM, you can extend your runway further. And Amazon has certainly shown this first with international expansion, then with AWS. That's really helped make its growth rate sustainable for such a period. Yeah, that's true. And and when you think even the retail side, if you take online retail as a percent of total retail globally, this is not just uh, the US, it's 14%. It's higher in China than it is in the United States. Still only 14%. So there's still a lot of runway to go, even in their original effort or category, retail. And we think there's miles to go because now, right now, it's not just AWS But now we're talking about logistics, and now they're part of the streaming media. And advertising. And advertising world, yeah. So on the streaming media front, um, where are we in that cycle? Where is the kind of penetration today, and where do we think it can get to? Maybe just like the the two main markets here seems to be video and, and audio. For video right now, the story is Netflix, and we're really only having the second major I guess, competitor or entrant with Disney coming online later. Well, they've come online now. How much runway do we think there could be there? Well, this is like retail was in the early days. Nobody really, none of the traditional players could see this really taking off and amounting to very much. And in fact, if it did, of course, they were going to be there and take it over. And and therefore, they gave Netflix a lot of room to run, and it has, and it's gone global, and its scale is beyond anything they could have imagined. Now they all want to do the same thing. And in the retail space, I mean, this is a particularly interesting week. We're having terrible sales out of the box retailers, so there's going to be an accelerated shift online because they want to survive. So I think the same thing's going to happen here. The other two markets are music and gaming. Which one are you excited about there? Given what we've learned about gaming and how each new technology expands the market and how gaming actually could consume what we now consider media in a large way, I think we're most excited about gaming, just trying to find exactly the right ways to play it. 
whether it's the content companies or the platforms and so forth. So Tencent has shown the way and maybe they'll continue to show the way. Gaming is, I talked about this on a podcast with Nick, who covers our streaming portion. It's so interesting that it's, it's larger than all of box office, but people don't seem to understand it. And it's a generational shift. This generation, millennials and Gen Z are consuming gaming with the same veracity as Gen X was consuming TV. And it seems to me so obvious that over the course of a generation, the content consumption, where the dollars will shift, will simply move along with that demographic shift. Yes. And what I find very interesting, we just went through charts recently, is to see that every time a new way of consuming music has come out, it has actually cannibalized. It's a replacement. Yes, it's a replacement. Gaming, very different. Those two charts were night and day and give us a sense of how expansive, if not explosive, gaming could become. Since you can't see, this is an audio podcast, basically what Kathy is referring to is that the market for gaming from arcades to consoles to PCs have stacked on top of each other. And when mobile came, that was the mother of all like additions. It stacked again. So it's grown in a true S-curve fashion, and it doesn't even appear to be slowing down. So that's very exciting. On to the next one that's new for 2020, aerial drones. I feel like each of our 11 themes are at different points of maturity along this S-curve. This one is probably more on the earlier side versus, say, streaming media. What's exciting about aerial drones? Where do we think it could end up? Tasha actually started this work when the firm started in 2014. And I remember one of our first aha moments that we might be doing something right here was when we put out a piece that said that if the FAA were to allow Amazon to deliver parcels with drones over a 10-mile, like a five-pound package over 10 miles, that Amazon at that time would have been able to do it profitably for just $1 per parcel. So we put that out and it seemed to to resonate in Silicon Valley. And we thought, oh, wow, this is pretty interesting. We're, we're getting conversations on Twitter and other social media that we didn't expect to get. Tosh has been working on these models for ever since then. And we've done a lot of analysis on not just parcel delivery by drone, but food delivery by drone and air taxis or passenger drones, whatever you want to call them. And also we've gone as far as Sam Corris's work has gotten us to the point where given the developments in battery technology, we actually could save 20,000 lives a year in the United States associated with heart attacks if we could get a drone there faster than ambulances can get there now. Wow, that's amazing. When we think about, we talk, Tesla, we talk about Tesla a lot, and Tesla really is the company that's earned the dividend yield from the huge scale of the consumer electronics industry, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, oh, yes. All the batteries are, are standard, the most commodity batteries that, that used to be manufactured for, for laptop computers. Unlike what other auto manufacturers are doing. Indeed. Yes. And of course, the processors are, are just a dividend of all the 
tens of years of research built for ARM research, for ARM processors, and, and they're able to repackage that. And here's a new price point and a new value proposition. And it seems like drones is very much the same story in a smaller package. Yeah, it is. It is. The motors are, are just commodity parts from, from the consumer electronics industry. The batteries are, are basically taking the same formulations in a, in a different format. And now using cameras and AI and, and microprocessors, it's all taking the investments, billions of dollars in investments made by companies going back all the way to IBM probably and, and giving us these new price points. Yeah. And I think as we've done the research and you contributed, actually started the food delivery research, the big surprise to me was the biggest opportunity out there in terms of drones is food delivery. We think it'll be a $275 billion market in five years. Let's talk about that. I, I get food delivered almost every day at ARC and almost sometimes at, at every day at work at home as well. Right now we have in these charts, it takes for a three mile food delivery service, it costs about $4.80, $5. Where do we think the costs for a drone delivery would be? Now this is going to be at scale and we think at scale is possible within five to 10 years. We think that that delivery will be possible for 20 cents. 20 cents. 20 cents. 20 cents. Yes. Oh my God. I don't think anyone will cook again. And that would be profitably to the company delivering. Wow. If that happens, I think it's just going to be sweet green and Chipotle in every block <laughs> and drones will just fly through your windows to deliver your well, salad. Well, you've set the pace. The third one is a bit of an interesting theme that we've chosen to cover. It's called... It is called... Biotech R&D efficiency. You didn't remember it because it's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and here's one difference. This one is not a technology. This one is kind of a thematic outcome, if you will, right? It's not a thing you can buy. It is Well, it's it is the convergence combined. of three yes. foundational technologies. So next generation sequencing, artificial intelligence, and CRISPR gene editing. So the convergence of those, and we talk about convergence a lot. The impact on the pharma and biotech sector we think is going to be unbelievable. I guess to set it up, what do you think is the problem right now? It seems like we are creating new drugs all the time. We're coming closer to conquering cancer, but there's something, the, the actual investment productivity output seems to be decreasing. What is the issue underneath? We're taking the guesswork out. And what's going to happen with DNA sequencing, AI, and CRISPR as well, is that as we, we use companion diagnostics in trials to guide trials along, to pick the right patients, we're going to have fewer trial failures. And therefore, the time to market of drugs is going to come down considerably. And then, because CRISPR is, and we, we do believe this, now we have seen in human trials that CRISPR is curing people, beta thalassemia and sickle cell disease, CRISPR therapeutics this past year, two people cured and would have lived just horrible lives, continued to live without those cures. So we think the pricing for cures is going to be two times that for chronic conditions. In other words, over the life of the patient, if you're curing something, maybe value-based pricing will cause 
installment payments for every year you live, you pay, but it's going to be worth it. So the combination of those or the convergence and combination of those technologies will, we believe, reduce the cost of trials considerably and the cost of bringing a drug to market considerably, but will enable, if CRISPR is involved, higher pricing because of the utility. How can you compare treating symptoms to curing? And so we think that the margin structure of the industry is going to go back to the heyday or the golden age of this industry, which was in the 80s and early 90s. Genentech really launched the biotech industry with recombinant DNA. We think CRISPR gene editing is in the same category. And back then, we saw margins increase from the high single digits to regularly the mid-20s, 30s, what have you. And what's happened since then, we exhausted those innovations There's been a dearth of innovation. There's been a lot of generics. There's been a lot of combinations of M&A, so a lot of bureaucracy to get through. But now companies, and it is when times are tough, and there's a lot of turbulence and chaos, which there is in this industry, including political, that companies start thinking about doing things differently. It's true in every industry. And we think that companies are doing things differently right now and started doing those things maybe three, four, five years, takes four to five years for pipelines to prove out. So we may be on the threshold of some major surprises coming out of that industry. So this is really a commentary on the whole biotech and healthcare sector. I mean, you have a chart in front of you, slide 64, I have it here, which is that the return on R&D investment for drug companies have been in decline pretty much for 20 years now. Yes. Wow, it's 20 years since 2000. Yes. Our thesis here is this combination of three technologies is going to cause an inflection uptick to a higher level. Right. And there's, I know that analysts don't believe this. They don't believe it's possible to cure, <laughs> to cure disease, because most analysts have, their, have spent their careers studying drugs that treat symptoms, and cures just haven't been a part of the conversation. They weren't possible. And the reason they weren't possible is we couldn't identify mutations, which we can now because of DNA sequencing. And we couldn't understand pathways of disease, which we are beginning to understand because of AI and neural networks. And then once you understood that, in the past, we weren't, even if we did, we wouldn't have been able to do anything about it because gene therapies were just way too expensive and unstable and had a very bad reputation of killing people, right? Right now, CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing is delivering some magnificent results. So now that we have the information, we can actually do something about it, cure. We really believe this is possible. And it's not just a belief anymore. We're seeing evidence of it. So we do think we're entering a new golden age for healthcare, for those companies that are on the right side of change and are embracing these technologies. I certainly see it from my perspective on the AI and software side, just on very mundane stuff. The fact that the life sciences industry has managed to support a 
a software as a service company, Viva, they are obviously extremely motivated to improve productivity and, and that will improve their productivity and margin structure. And of course, all the artificial intelligence stuff hasn't even started to make a difference yet. Those companies using artificial intelligence for drug discovery are still in their relative infant stages. I think some M&A is almost certainly going to ensue. And that technology, we've seen it work in places where we never thought it would work in things like AlphaGo, where it's it's basically conquered the most complex strategy game we've ever built. And those kind of search problems are very similar to searching for new drugs. Yeah. And I think this is also speaking to something we talk about a lot. We think that in order to understand the way the world is going to work, analysts can no longer be just healthcare analysts. Either they also have to be technology analysts or if they have to be tied at the hip to technology analysts because technology is permeating every sector. And the cadence of technology is so much faster than analysts in healthcare and maybe participants in the healthcare space have ever experienced that it may be new companies that evolve to capitalize on the convergence of these three technologies. Okay, we've covered the three new things we've added to Big Ideas 2020. Are there any other things in this slide or in creating this work that you want to highlight or that you're excited about for the coming year? Well, for the coming year, what's been interesting about the past year is to see how highly valued innovation has been in the private space because there has been too much capital chasing too few opportunities in the private space. And we're beginning to see some disappointments. But what we're also seeing is that, and it's the private space is still valued much more highly when it comes to innovation than the public space. But even though there have been down rounds, the valuation umbrella is still there for the public markets. I believe that many people who focus on price earnings ratios are going to miss the boat here. You need to have a five-year time horizon, which is all we present in this deck is the five years. If you're just looking at the next one to two years, you're probably going to miss these opportunities. If you're looking at the next five years and bring in this concept of exponential, you know, linear and exponential look very similar in the early days, but give them five years, they're night and day. So I think one of the things we're really trying to illustrate here is extend your time horizon. Look how exciting these breakthroughs are, how much growth they're going to deliver, and figure out how to capitalize on them. I think this is going, these are going to be the best investment years of my life. And I've been through more than 40 years, including the internet years. This is going to be much more exciting because the seeds for what is happening now were planted during the tech and telecom bubble. And that capital over all of these years has created these opportunities. Now we get to enjoy them. I am very excited. I'm super happy with how this year's Big Ideas 2020 turned out. Everyone should take a look. Please go to arc-invest.com where you can download Big Ideas 2020 as well as listen to our podcasts and keep up to date with our research. Until next time, Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, James. ARC believes that the information presented is accurate and was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information, and such information may be subject to change without notice from ARC. Historical results are not indications of future results.